Hey, it's Neville Medora here, and today is Friday, April 16, 2021, and today is just a reading of the stupid email, and stupid email, as you know, stands for swipe, thought, uplifting, picture, interesting, and drawing. So let's get right into it. Today, the swipe that I picked is a Band-Aid ad, and this is a unique Band-Aid ad uh, from magazines that made it really, really simple to understand that for big scrapes, you can use a big Band-Aid. And they use a clever little image of a little boy running, and he's got a bunch of little Band-Aids on his knee, like three of them. And it says, need this many, right next to it. And then on its other knee, it says, try this, and there's a small arrow, and it points to a big Band-Aid. So they are sending Band-Aid plastic strips extra large. And I really like it because they make the whole ad black and white, except for the Band-Aid stuff. So the Band-Aids are in full color, and also the Band-Aid box is in full color, everything else is in black and white. I just thought it was super easy. As soon as you look at this image, you know exactly what it's selling, you know exactly the use. You're just, you're not confused at all, and I thought that was very, very brilliant of them. Um, let's get into a thought. Here is a typical course creator life cycle I've noticed. Um, I've been around the selling courses industry since maybe about 2011 or so, and I've noticed a similar pattern. A lot of people will make a course and it'll do pretty well because it's the first time they've sold anything to their audience. So typically they've been building an audience for a long time, then they sell a course or a class or something along those lines and it does really well. So they say, huh, well, let me do that again. So they repeat the course, of course, right? It's doing well, it'll do better. So then it does a little bit better, and then they repeat the course again, and it sometimes either does a little bit better or plateaus, or at some point after repeating enough times, it plateaus. So then what happens is they often add financing options because they'll often raise the price also as they repeat the course. And after that, they kind of get bored of teaching the same thing. So then they'll create a new course and repeat that. So they'll repeat the course, repeat the course, repeat the course, add financing options, and they'll repeat that a couple of times. And then, and, and trust me, I've been in this situation before. That's why I'm talking about it and laughing at it. And it's, I'm not like dissing anyone. It's just saying a lot of these people will do the course, do the course, do the course, repeat financing options, repeat, repeat, repeat. And then what happens is you come to this problem where you have too many courses. So now people come to you and say, hey, you have like nine courses, which one should I buy? And, in, and inevitably a lot of them have a little bit of overlap. So then what you do is you bundle the courses. So I think that's a stage we're at right now. And then the step I see a lot of people do is they create a SaaS, which is a software as a service based on the stuff they teach and that they can repeat with software. But in the meantime, something that a lot of course creators have done, and I've personally seen this and done it myself, is they'll invest in companies. You know, just like with your audience and talking about a specific niche, you get the opportunity to invest in different people's companies and you meet people and you wanna invest in their company. Um, the other thing I've seen people do is add community components. I've long been telling people that within the next two years, every single course will have a community component. There'll almost be too many communities. Um, and then in general, they just build a loyal audience. So I think the audience for someone is becoming more and more valuable as everyone kind of becomes like a one-man media company. You know, you're no longer on a single platform. Like you no longer just write a column for a newspaper or you no longer write just for People Magazine. Uh, most people that put out content nowadays, they're putting out content on email, on their blog, on Twitter, on YouTube, on TikTok, on whatever in ad nauseum, right? So I wonder if you've seen this with other people you follow. It's kind of like a, a common cycle. So I just thought that was an interesting thought. Um, here is something uplifting for you. Um, if you ever get uploaded with email, task, work, chats, like Slack and text and stuff, then here's my three tips to stay sane. 
Um, and this is to kind of prevent burnout. A lot of people get burned out, and I think this is kind of the reason why. And so I have a system to prevent this, and it's mainly because I'm lazy and don't like working as much as I like doing nothing and sucking off. So uh, step one is you make a to-do list the night before, okay? Don't wake up in the morning, you're all bleary-eyed, and then you're like, okay, what should I do? And you just get sucked into a million different things. You check social media, you get distracted, da-da-da, right? The night before when you're winding down, make sure you make a to-do list. I kind of make this throughout the day um, and you'll see why in a second. So number one, make a to-do list the night before. Number two, once you've done that to-do list, right? You scratched out all the items, there is no more work allowed for the day, okay? This is the main problem people face with burnout is that they'll finish all their work and then we'll, someone will say, hey, um, I wanna take a look at this. Could you send it over to me? And they add that on their to-do list. But you know what that does? It makes a never-ending to-do list. It gets longer and longer and longer, and you can never finish it because it just keeps growing longer. So it's impossible to finish all your work. So number two is once you're done with that to-do list, no more work allowed at all. And then number three is, like I just said, never add stuff for the to-do list on the same day, okay? So if someone asks you for something, just reply with, okay, I've got it on my calendar for tomorrow. That's it. Um, this helps you put in a fair day of work and just not overdo it. So you never get over burned, right? Uh, so if you, how do you tell if you've had a good day of work? Well, the way is if you scratched out all the items on your to-do list. So but you can't let that grow like an ever-growing snake. You've got to cut it off at some point and you've just got to be strict with your time. So for example, a lot of people think that this is a really mean thing because that you're not you're not going to do something for them the same day, but it's actually not. So here's how I would handle it. So I'm going to make a funny voice for someone else talking to me, and I'll pretend I'm me. So someone's like, "Oh, hey Neville, uh, can you send over? Uh, I wanted to see those numbers for your email list. Could you send those over?" I'll say, "Cool, I'll send it over to you tomorrow at 3 p.m." See, I'm promising I'm going to send it to them, but I mentioned that I'll send it tomorrow at a specific time. So now I'll write that on my to-do list for the following day. I'm not going to put it on the same day because I've already got enough stuff and them jamming more work down my throat is just not going to work for me long-term. So it's not very hard to like deflect that work. The only difference is if you have a boss and they, they're the ones that employ you and they, you've got to do something that day. But even in that case, what you could tell them is say like, is this super important to put to do today or tomorrow? And I bet half the time they'll probably say, yeah, you can probably just do it tomorrow. It's not important. So I would just make sure you try to deflect work for the, the, the day after, not the same day. Um, here's a picture and you can't see these, but and it's a shame because they're so beautiful. Uh, but there was a photographer in Hong Kong named Fan Ho who takes these brilliantly colored photos. Um, I saw this on Twitter somewhere and it was just so beautiful. Um, I don't know why, I don't know how, but the colors just pop on the screen. And there's just scenes from Hong Kong and the lighting and everything, I don't know why, it's just, they look different than normal photos. I have these in my camera roll and every once in a while, I'll just like sit there and kind of stare at them. And um, I don't do that for many photos except for pictures of cute Shih Tzu dogs. But it, it's just weird that these photos are so beautiful. And I don't know why. I'd love to learn why these colors look so awesome on screen. Here is something interesting. A student of our copywriting course wanted to do some copy work, which is where you handwrite uh, other people's work to get a feel for it. And she wrote out the Gary Halbert coat of arms mailer. And her handwriting is amazing. I couldn't believe it. I was looking at this person's handwriting and it just looked so professional. I was like, is this like a, a font on a computer? Um, and then she also took notes on it, which was really nice. And I was just in awe of how good her handwriting was because I actually hand copied this exact mailer. 
And I knew I was going to publish this on the internet. So I did my absolute best handwriting and it just looks like garbage compared to hers. And I'm just surprised that like my best effort just does not look as good. And um, it's, it's funny because I'll be taking notes at conferences sometimes on my iPad or on a notebook and people will see me taking notes. And I, I can't tell you how many times I've got this. People say, what language are you writing in? And <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I'm like, it's English. And they literally cannot read like my sloppy handwriting. It's kind of funny. So even for someone who's written a lot on paper, I just don't have very good handwriting. I guess I've never cared so long as I could read it. I was pretty okay with it. Um, let's take a drawing. This is the last item in our Friday Stupid email. And it is called the Circle of Influence. And this is a concept um, that's been around for a while. And it's a wheel that shows you what you should and should not be paying close attention to. And it's got three circles and a little guy in the middle, okay? So it's basically showing things that are external to you that are out of your control, like you have no control over them. Then there's a thing called the circle of influence, which is a closer circle to you, which is things that you can't totally control, but you have some influence over, right? You have some vote in it. And then there's external, uh, sorry, circle of control. These are things that you yourself right now can 100% control on your own. So let's go over some of these. So some of the things that you have total control over are the circle of control. This is the first circle around you is your words, your outfit, your food, your posture, your location, your mood, your tone, your output, your exercise, your thoughts. So for example, um, if you're really angry, guess what? You have control over that. Uh, those are your thoughts. Those are your processes going on in your brain that you can control. And so if you want to change them, then you can. Um, let's say your posture. Well, no one can really change your posture except you. So you have full control of your posture. So if you have bad posture, guess what? It's your fault, okay? It's your fault. So you can change it and you can make it better. Um, you can choose the food you input into your body most of the time, okay? So you don't have to eat all crappy food. You can reach out and get good food. Uh, you could change your outfit. You could do all those types of things. Those are things that are important that you should pay attention to and maybe even spend some good money on. Then another circle outside of that is what's called the circle of influence. And these are things that you have some control over, but not total control over, right? It means you have uh, one out of 100 votes, but not all the votes, right? So for a couple of things in your circle of influence are your neighborhood, right? Uh, you don't control your neighborhood. You're not the dictator of your neighborhood but you can control your little piece of the neighborhood. So if you're like, oh, this neighborhood's so dirty, well, maybe you can help clean it up or influence the HOA to help clean it up or you can clean up your own yard, right? Um, you have circle of influence on the mood in a room. So let's say you're at a party and you know, post COVID, you're at a party and you want it to be a little bit more lively. Guess what? You are maybe one out of 10 or one out of 50 people in that room. You can actually change the mood in the room if you want. Uh, voting. So if you have a chance to vote on something, whether it be some sort of election, city council election, something like that, you do have some influence on it. Maybe not a lot, especially like the larger the election, but you do have some. Um, your close surroundings, you can totally control. So, you know, where, where you live, you're inside your house. Uh, your family, you can't control your entire family, but you can control yourself and maybe the people around you a little bit. And so you do have some influence. And then also relationships. In any relationships, there's usually more than one person. And so you are either 50% of the relationship or maybe a part of a relationship between a family or a friend circle. So those are things in your circle of influence. And then there is this external circle. And these are things that 
While you should pay some attention every once in a while, it's stuff that you should not think about all the time because there's just so little that you can do. So no matter if you stress about it or if you totally ignore it, the outcome will likely be the same, right? So there's almost no reason in paying attention. So when it comes to like very big elections and stuff like that, while I pay some attention, I try my best not to pay too much because honestly, the amount of influence I have is so small. And unless I'm going to do something about it, I just don't pay attention all that much. So some of those things that are in the external control are an asteroid impact, right? You, no matter if you worry about it or not, um, probably the outcome will be the same. Nothing will change because of that. Uh, foreign policies, that's one of those things where it's like some other country you're not even part of and you're getting really involved in the politics of it and it's making you angry. Well, guess what? It's like, I mean, unless you're really going to do something about this, it's not really worth paying too much attention to it, in my opinion. Uh, solar flares, political views of strangers, the economy, weather, a volcano eruption, the threat of nuclear war. These are things that some people sometimes stress about, but honestly, you have so little control that it's not worth spending time on. And instead, it's far better to control the things inside of your circle of influence and especially control the things inside of your circle of control. So I hope you enjoy these little tidbits. I hope you have a really happy Friday. My name is Neville Medora, and I will talk to you later.